Last week, we launched a series called The Nine Relationship Goals. We also launched a Home Point campaign, and if you were not here last week or for some reason didn't get your packet, I want to encourage you to get this tool. Uh, we want to send it home with you. It's filled with ways to maximize the teaching. We only get to spend an hour with you, but you get to take this home and, and just all week long, we believe the home is the fabric of the community, and this is our gift to you, so please take this investment uh, in your family right after the service. You can grab this at any campus that you're on, and over the internet, you can download these resources, but we want you to have this, uh, this material with you. Uh, Galatians chapter 5 is what this entire packet of this Home Point campaign in our series is based on. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Galatians 5. If you don't have a Bible in your worship guide, there's the key text for the day and also a place to follow along. Even take some notes if you'd like to, which I think would be very helpful today. Uh, if you'd like to do that, there's a place to do that as well. We all have relationship goals, don't we? Uh, last time I checked on Instagram, 2.2 million people posted the hashtag relationship goals. I, I don't know what your relationship goals are, but I'll make you a promise. If you want to have a fulfilling, satisfying relationship in life, you can only do that with God's help. And that's why we're in this series. God is the one who produces fruit in us, and that fruit doesn't just bless us. It blesses our relationships around us as our relationship with him produces that fruit. And so I'm gonna ask you to lean in and, and really ask yourself, am I a person who spreads joy wherever I go? Now while you're finding Galatians 5, let me tell you what happened to Miss Monroe in Darlington, Indiana a few years ago. Uh, she has eight children. Now we already know what the prayer request is, right? It's eight kids, and so she gets home from the grocery store and the house is quiet. Now as parents, we all know what that means. Somebody's in trouble. And so she goes throughout the house to find her kids and Miss Monroe finds five of her children in a circle in the living room, all looking at something she can't tell what it is. So she sneaks over, looks over one of her kids' shoulders and sees five baby skunks. <laughs> now Miss Monroe makes a relationship mistake and all of us have been there, but instead of whispering, kids, let's get out of here, she screams, kids, get out of here, which startles them. They didn't even know she was home. So all five children grab a skunk and run in five different directions. <laughs> which causes Miss Monroe to make another mistake, which we always do in relationships, one mistake after another. And she screams, kids, no, which causes the kids to be even more scared. You know what kids do when they get scared? They squeeze. These kids go five different directions in the house, all squeezing their baby skunk. Miss Monroe reflects later in this article I read, she says, I quote, skunks don't like to be squeezed. <laughs> and as you think about that, the question I want you to ask yourself today is, what are you spreading in your relationships? When you go into a room, do you bring joy into that room? You know, wherever you go, you should be a person of joy. I, I preached on joy during the Christmas season and I had somebody come up to me almost every month, same guy, and he says, can you preach on joy again? And finally I asked him, why do you keep asking that? He said, because after you preached on joy, people were nice in the parking lot for a few weeks. <laughs> There's a lot of joy out there and it's gone now. We're supposed to spread joy wherever we go, whether we're in traffic, in a parking lot, or in our homes of our own houses. So the question I want you to ask yourself today is, are you a person of joy? Are you a person who brings joy to people's lives? When people think about you, do they think, oh yeah, that's a person of joy? Because God's plan for us is to bring joy 
into our heart so that joy can be produced even in our relationships. And as you think about that, before we get to our text today, as you read Galatians 5, Paul tells us, he says, hey, there's some things that you can spread in relationships that really stink, that aren't what should be. He lists things like anger and jealousy and bitterness in this text. He lists things like um, lust and drunkenness, dissension, he says, division, hostility, quarreling, impurity. He says all kinds of things that, that don't bring our relationships where they need to be. He calls it the sinful nature. He says, within us, there's some things going on, and because there's things going on in us, because all that stuff stinks inside of us, our relationships aren't where they need to be, and the goals we have for those relationships aren't met. He says, there's a whole different plan for us as Christ followers. As Christ followers, we have a different way to live and another way to handle all the relationships in our lives. We come here for the good news. You want to hear the good news? Easter weekend, two weeks ago, Easter weekend, on all of our campuses combined, over 240 people indicated a first-time decision for Jesus Christ, that they received Jesus Christ as their personal <laughs> Lord and Savior. And we celebrate that. It's wonderful. Listen, whether you received Christ two weeks ago or two years ago or 20 years ago or 40 years ago, when you ask Jesus Christ to forgive your sins and you receive him into your life as your Lord and Savior, you receive his spirit. His spirit guides you and helps you through every circumstance of life and gives you strength no matter what you're facing, even gives you strength in relationships. His spirit works in our lives. And you say, well, what does it mean for the spirit of God to work in my life? What would that look like? Well, it's not as crazy or as mystical as you think. As a matter of fact, in Galatians 5, our text for the day, verse 22, the fruit of God's spirit at work within us is described. It says this, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. And again, remember, this is God working in us. This is not things you can work up. It's things that God is working in you. He's producing this fruit in our lives. And you may not feel comfortable doing this, but if you do, would you just say the nine expressions of that fruit? Let's read these nine words together. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the nine, the nine things that can change your relationships. And notice that these nine words that are all expressions of the same fruit of the Spirit can only be expressed in relationships. Notice he says this is the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit that produces in our lives. He shows it in us. It's expressed in us. Where else are you going to be able to express patience unless it's with another person, another human being? And today let's dig into this word joy. And again, are you a person of joy? Are you living a life of joy? Now we'll, we'll dig into this in a second, but I'm not talking about happiness. Happiness depends on happenings. You can only be happy if something good's going on around you. Joy is not dependent on what's happening around us because joy is an inside job. The Holy Spirit is producing joy. It's something that he gives us no matter what circumstances you're going through, no matter how tough relationships are, joy comes from the Lord. He produces it in us. You say, well, I wanna be a person of joy. How can I become a person of joy? A few things that we can do to cooperate with God's spirit is it produces joy. He produces joy in us. And the first thing I want you to see is we gotta weed out the joy killers. If you say, I'm not really a person of joy, I wanna be more joyful, you're gonna have to weed out the joy killers in your life. There's things that are stealing your joy. I want you to think of your heart like a garden. And if you could look into your heart, what does your heart look like? You see, before you wanna produce fruit, you have gotta weed out some things. Let me show you this before and after pic of a garden. Maybe it's your own backyard. 
What does your heart look like right now? Is it the right picture or is it the one on the left? You see, before you wanna see fruit growing, you've gotta weed out some things. Then you can cultivate the ground. Then you can allow the gardener, you can allow God to grow those things in you, the fruit we just read about. You see, God wants us to be people of joy, but we've gotta weed out the things that can choke it out. So look at Luke chapter eight, verse 14. In your notes are on the screen. Here's how Jesus describes it. Notice the analogy of a garden and weeds continuing here. He says, the seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by, watch this, four things, life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. You see, if you're not a person of joy, if you're looking for joy in your life, it might be that there's one of these four things that's choking out that joy. I want you to identify what that might be. Identify what it might be, and in your notes, you can even write one of these words in the box and say, you know what, that's the weed that I need to weed out of my heart. Maybe, did you hear what Jesus said? Maybe it's worry. I'm not a person of joy because I'm worried. Now, some of you are experts at this. You are great at worrying. You can worry about anything. You can worry about the stock market, traffic, what's gonna happen tomorrow, the weather. You are great at this. You worry about what's gonna happen tomorrow. That's why you can't have joy today. I don't know what's gonna happen in my job, in this relationship with my health. I'm just worried. Here's my question to all the worriers. Is that working for you? Is that helping you at all? No, the word worry literally means to choke out. And worry chokes out joy. Maybe that's the weed you need to weed out. But notice he says, maybe it's not just worry. He says there's another thing that chokes out what God's trying to produce in your life, and that's riches. You see, I'm convinced, my theory is, is that the more stuff that a person gets, the more potential, nothing wrong with the stuff, the more potential we have to be less joyful. You say, well, I'm not very rich. This riches isn't talking about me. Can I just remind us that 80% of the world lives on less than a dollar a day. So if you live in America, you're loaded. You've got a lot of riches. But Jesus says, watch out. Don't, don't try to connect your joy to the stuff. As a matter of fact, it can actually overwhelm you. Uh, maybe you can relate to this lady in this picture at the grocery store. And you walk through the grocery store and half the things in your cart you didn't even come in for, but it was on sale. Buy one, get one free. You didn't even need a pineapple. It wasn't on the list, but hey, there's a pineapple. I don't know what I'll do with that, but I'm just gonna get it. And by the time you make it to the dairy section, you just need grated cheese. But isn't it overwhelming? What kind of cheese? Mild or Cheddar Jack or Monterey or Thin Slice? I mean, it's like it's overwhelming. I've got all this stuff, and it's really overwhelming. This was an article in New York Times says about all these choices. It says people like choices. Gives them a sense of freedom and control. However, this is this article in New York Times says, I quote, we tend to make bad choices. We've got all this stuff, but we tend to make bad choices. And it says this research shows an excess of choice often leads to less, not more, satisfaction. Americans are often have this nagging feeling we could have done better even when we make the choice. We're not happy with it because we think maybe I should have chosen the other thing instead. What is this article saying? Same thing Jesus says. Nothing wrong with the stuff, nothing wrong with the choices, but the next time you're going down the aisle at the grocery store and you're looking at all the blessings like this picture right here and you're just kind of coming down the aisle, I've got all this stuff. Just remember that stuff won't make me happy. That stuff won't bring joy to my life. And we want to be satisfied and grateful for what we have, but the stuff can actually produce not joy, but actually a lack of it. 
Riches can choke it out. He says it could be worry, it could be riches. Notice what else Jesus said in that list. He says it could be pleasure. It's an interesting word in Greek. It's the word hedona. It means it's where we get our word hedonism. It's a shallow emotion. It's fun for a second. It's what the world offers us. Some of it's not necessarily bad. It's just if you try to link joy to it, it doesn't last. And there's many of us who are not going God's way. We're going the world's way, and we're listening to what the world says is what we should do. And we're wondering why we're not people of joy. It's because we're buying into the pleasures of this world instead of realizing Jesus is our joy. He's the source of that joy. You know, uh, a couple of years ago, I went on an eighth grade field trip with my daughter. I was uh, just one of the sponsors, and we went to Six Flags San Antonio, and my, my daughter says to me, Dad, you're gonna ride all the rides, right? Well, I'm, a, you know, I'm a good dad, so I'm like, sure. Well, the first ride they choose is the Superman. Really fast, you know, roller coaster, spins, twists, all that kind of stuff. Dad, look, there's no line because, we're, you know, everybody else is in school. So we get up there, and she said, Dad, look, we can be on the first row. And her friends are looking at me, she's looking at me. I give in to eighth grade peer pressure. I find myself on the front row of Superman roller coaster. I didn't want to be there, but I, I'm there. And I got a picture just to prove I was, okay? So here I am. I look happy, don't I? Take the picture, hashtag relationship goals. But listen, joy goes way beyond a hashtag in a moment in time because right after this picture, I was miserable. I mean, all of a sudden it's like, what am I doing on this thing? This is not fun. I get off and I'm like, I'm so glad I survived it. Then my daughter looks at me and says very horrifying words, Dad, let's do that again. That was so awesome. We get back in line. We don't have to wait again. Dad, let's do the front row again. I rode the front row of the Superman roller coaster four times in a row without any break because there was no line whatsoever. The rest of the day, I laid down. I was done. And I thought about how the world gets us on the ride, doesn't it? Hey, try this. Hey, do this. Hey, you're going to love this. And we get on it for a moment, for a hashtag, for a moment. Hey, look at this, look at this. But then it doesn't satisfy us. Jesus says, be careful. The pleasure of this world is very subtle. It's a shallow emotion. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really give you what it said it was going to give you. Very momentary, but not fulfilling and no joy. And because of that, you end up not maturing. And there's an immaturity there where you realize, you know what? I was going after the things of this world. I was taking myself way too seriously and not taking God seriously enough and an immature approach to life. Now, I want you just to look at these four that Jesus lists and identify one that you need to work on. One that you say, you know what, I need to weed this out. Don't say, I'm gonna weed out all, just one thing. Jesus, would you help me weed this out in my life so that my heart can be a garden that your fruit can grow in? I wanna be a person of joy. And one of these things is choking that joy out. And if you're here today and you say, you know what, I don't struggle with any of these things whatsoever. I've never sinned, I've never struggled with any of these things. Okay, we need this verse right now. 1 John chapter one says this, if you claim that you've got no weeds or, or sin, okay, if you claim you have no sin, you're only fooling yourselves. We're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess, if we confess our sins, that there's things in this world that's choked out him, if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful. He's just, he'll forgive us our sins and he'll cleanse us from all wickedness. See, some of us stay away from God because we've got these weeds in our lives. He said, no, no, weed that out. I'll help you, 
because I want joy to grow in you. So what do you do? You gotta weed out the joy killers, the things that are choking out the joy, and then you can start cultivating joy. You can start working with the gardener who's God and saying, you know what, I wanna be a joyful person. I wanna cultivate joy. It's one of the expression of this fruit of the Spirit. The fruit grows in every terrain. Joy can happen no matter what's going on around you. You can have the fruit of the Spirit, one of those expressions, you can have joy no matter what, no matter what the traffic's doing, what the government's doing, what the stock market's doing, what any relationship's doing, what circumstance you're going through, you can have it. You can have joy no matter what. Here's what Paul says, he wrote Galatians and says the fruit of the Spirit. Here's what he says in 1 Thessalonians 5.16, just three simple words. He says, always be joyful. He's saying you can always be joyful no matter what's happening around you. And I know some of you today are saying, you know what, I need you to come back later with this message because I don't wanna be joyful right now. You don't know what I've been through this week. You don't know what I'm facing. You don't know what I have to put up with sitting right next to me right now. You, you don't know what I'm going through. I don't wanna be joyful. Paul says you can always be joyful, and he pushes back on, you, listen, joy is an inside job. Happiness depends on happenings. Joy is what's happening inside of you as you produce the fruit of God's spirit. You say, well, I really wanna be joyful, but I bet Paul, when he wrote about joy, he was probably sitting on a private island, had his chair in the sand, you know, had his toes in the water. He was just hanging out, and he was just saying, hey, always be joyful out there. Oh, no, no, no. Turn over to Philippians. You're in Galatians right now. Go two books over to Philippians, to the right, Philippians chapter one. I wanna show you because Paul models this, and he's actually in prison. He's, he's probably gonna die, and he chooses joy. And he spreads that joy that the Spirit's giving him to everybody else in his life. And I love this. Just a few verses. Here's Philippians chapter 1. Look at verse 3. Here's how you cultivate joy. He says, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. You see, what Paul's doing here in prison writing this, he's saying, you know what? I don't have any riches right now. I'm in prison. I don't have any stuff. But I've got joy. Because did you see it? He says, I give thanks. I am grateful. He says, I'm grateful for the people in my life. What Paul reminds us is, is, listen, you know what? True riches, we know this, don't we? True riches and true valuables, it's not the stuff. The true value in life is the, is the people. That's the true riches, being grateful for the people God has given us in our lives. And just stepping back and saying, we're thankful for that. You may say, well, Paul must have had a great time in Philippi as he writes back to the Philippians. He probably had a great time. He's just remembering that. No, no, no. Acts chapter 16 tells you about his experience. It's horrible. He gets thrown into jail. He's illegally arrested. There's an earthquake, and then he's told to leave town and not come back. But he says, when I think back on Philippi, I'm grateful. I give thanks. He thinks about the good things. What do you think about when you think about the people in your life? Do you think about all the bad things? Are you grateful for the good that they're bringing to your life. Gratitude is elusive, isn't it? I mean, think about this. You know, I've got four kids, and on occasion, as they grew up, sometimes I lost them at the store. I didn't know where they were. Maybe it was for a few seconds, I just couldn't find them anywhere. And let me just ask, all the campuses, please participate over the internet. By a show of hands, as a parent, have you ever, you know, unintentionally, but just for a few seconds, you've lost your kids at one point or another in your parenting career, would you raise your hand? Look at all these irresponsible parents, my goodness. Where did they go, you know, and when they're lost, maybe it's 10 seconds, 20 seconds feels like forever. What do you think about when you don't see them? I love them so much. I'm so grateful for them, I wanna hug them, I'm never gonna let them go, and I'm gonna let them know how special they are to me, and I'm never gonna take them for granted if I can only find them. I'm so grateful for these kids. And then what happens when you find them? 
Gratitude is out the window. I'm gonna kill you, all right? That's what I'm gonna do. We need to be grateful for the people in our lives. What Paul says is, is gratitude cultivates joy. And when you're not thankful for the people God's given you, listen, who's been there for you? Who's been there for you when no one else was? Be thankful for them. Maybe they didn't do anything spectacular, they just didn't leave you. When you changed careers and you moved and you, you were a jerk sometimes, they were still there. When you went through that difficult time, be grateful for the people in your life and be grateful for what you have instead of looking for the riches that you don't have. He says that's how you cultivate joy. Look what else Paul says in the next verse. In the next verse, verse four, he says, whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with, and he uses this word joy, same word he used in Galatians five, it's the Greek word kara. And this could be a whole message because kara really is the opposite of hedona. You see, he says, I'm not going after the pleasure of this world, I'm in prison. It's not fun, but I have joy. He says, the whole secret is joy. This could be a whole sermon because every heart in this room every day struggles with the hedona the world offers versus the joy that only comes from Jesus. You see, hedona is my golf game's pretty good. My team won. This is a good meal. The stock market's up. It's a shallow emotion tied to things going on. Joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is any circumstance. 59 times in the New Testament, this word comes out. This is the secret. Say, how do I find this? How do I keep cultivating it? Well, he told you in the verse. Look at it again. He says, he says, whenever I, here's the word, pray. Prayer is the quickest way to change a relationship. Your relationship with God is when you talk to him. Your relationship with others. When you pray for other people, it can change them. Of course it can. But it automatically changes you and your attitude toward that person. And Paul says, when I think about you, there is joy. I am thankful for you and I have joy in my life And I, when I think about you and I pray for you. Then he says this in verse 5. It says, when you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. He says, we've been partners in this. You've been with me through this. You see, if there's anybody that could have done the Christian life on their own, it would have been Paul. And some of you, so I can be a Christian, but I don't, I don't need any, any other people in my life. No, no, Paul says, no, I need other people. As you notice, he says, you're my partners. I need you. He says, that's a very immature way to approach life is to say, I don't need anybody. He says, no, no, I need community. And all of us do. You wanna cultivate joy, get in community. Be a part of a church family. Say, you know what, I can't do this on my own and I need others. The beautiful part about this, not only are they there for you when things are hard and they care for you when things are difficult, but also you get to celebrate the good in other people and what's happening because you're a part of that community. For instance, a couple of weeks ago, we had a team go to the Dominican Republic and they brought clean water to families like this. And those families got clean water for the first time in an area of the Dominican Republic where 90% of all the illnesses are waterborne. So they give clean water, but they also told people about the living water, and many people came to faith in Jesus Christ, and they grew a brand new church with a pastor that we're partnering with. Let's just give it up for the Dominican Republic, the great team. It's awesome. It's great. Beautiful part about that is, is you're clapping today. Listen, if you've ever prayed for this church, it's you, you, you're celebrating what you've done. If you've ever given to this church, if you've ever served with joy in any ministry, you're a part of the story. You went to the Dominican Republic. Paul says, I'm here and you're with me. You're my partners in the good news. We're spreading this together. We're one church in more than one location here. 
And that means that when it happens in one location, we celebrate it in another. All the way down in Corpus Christi last weekend, 15 people went public with their faith in Jesus Christ as my life has been changed, God's grace has saved me, I know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Let's just celebrate that life change, it's beautiful, we love it. You see, we can applaud that, but we're also a part of it. Their life has changed. Our community is growing. We are together in this. We all need a community. Paul says, you're my partners. I need people. We all need community. He says, I need you and you need me. And uh, Proverbs chapter 15, verse 30 says, we all need this for joy. It says, a cheerful look brings joy to the heart. Good news makes for good health. We all need a cheerful look. We all need good news. Here at Lake Point and here at Real Life, this is what we say about this. We find that in life groups. I want to encourage you to get in one. This is a great time to get in a life group because from now to the end of summer, you can connect and say, I'm going to get into a small group. Please do not tell me, I tried that one time and those people were weird, all right? Don't go to our Austin campus because all of those people are weird in Austin, okay? If you tried it one time, it didn't work, find another group. We've got so many, but say, you know what? I need people. And they need me. And I'm gonna just really, I need a place where there's cheerful looks that are given and there's good news that's shared. And those commun- that community that you find in life groups is unbelievable to cultivate joy in your life. And I wanna encourage you, don't miss the opportunity to try one and just, just see what God will do in community with other people. But then Paul says this in Philippians chapter one, verse six. He says, I'm certain that God... Not, notice, not me, but God, he's the one producing the fruit. God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. He's saying, I'm certain that God will do this. What is he saying? He said, I'm in prison. I don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow, but I'm not gonna worry about it. Some of you have been worried about this box over here since the whole message started. <laughs> Did he forget the worry box? I'm worried that he's not gonna turn that one over. I'm worried what's gonna happen in the message. If he doesn't do it, everybody will leave worried. (laughs) Worry is so subtle and it doesn't help anything, okay? Paul said, I'm not gonna worry about you. I'm not gonna worry or or try to fix you. I'm gonna be confident, I'm gonna trust God with you. This is beautiful. I'm gonna ask you, if you wanna have joy today, Stop trying to fix the people in your life and let God fix you and give you a confidence and a trust in him that he's gonna help that other person. God's gonna complete the work. We're all under construction. We're all under construction. Nobody is perfect. Uh, I'll talk to spouses sometimes. They say, you know what? Well, a wife will say, well, you know, my husband, he's a good man, but I know exactly what's coming. I'm gonna get the list now. Here's all the stuff he needs to work on. Listen, can I just remind every wife in this room Mr. Perfect does not exist. He doesn't. I want to also remind every husband that Mrs. Perfect does not exist either. This is an equal opportunity message, okay? You see, none of us are perfect. And so instead of, if you really want to bring joy to your relationships, I'm confident that God who began a good work in you He's gonna finish it. Lord, please finish it, Lord, but I'm not gonna try to finish it anymore, all right? God, you do it. I'm gonna trust you with them. You wanna enjoy your kids, parents? There's no perfect kids. Stop trying to be all on them all the time, but just say, you know what? I'm thankful for my kids, not just when I find them at the store. I I really just, I wanna trust God with their future, and I'm gonna gonna stop trying to fix their situation. God, would you bless and help my kids? You're, You're doing a work in their lives. 
There's some kids and teenagers listening to me, and I just want to remind you, there are no perfect parents. Can I get an amen? amen? They're just not out there. I know this is a surprise to teenagers, but your parents are actually people. And they struggle and have difficulty just like you do. And they're under construction. You want to change your family, change your relationships. God, who began a good work, I trust he will finish it. Will you pick one of these four, and if you're taking notes, put one of these words in, in, one of, in that box and say, God, would you help me to cultivate joy? Don't say we're gonna work on all of them. Just one thing, God, help me to be this. Help me to focus on this. God, I wanna cooperate with your spirit and cultivate a place where joy can grow and be produced. But please don't leave here and say to your family or to your friends, if you're single, just you're like, hey, everybody get together. We're gonna be more joyful around here. That's what we're gonna do. You heard that message, we're gonna be joyful, all right? So everybody put something on social media that looks happy, all right? That is not gonna work. You know it's not gonna work. It, it, you can't work joy up. Remember the, how we started this series last week. You, you have to cooperate with God. His spirit is the source. Remember the source. Jesus told us in John chapter 15, verse five, he says, yes, I'm the vine and you're the branches. And those who remain in me and I in them, you're going to produce much fruit. You don't have to say, well, let's be more joyful around here. He brings it to you when you connect to him. You stay connected to him. Watch this. Apart from me, you cannot be a joyful person. You can't, you can't do anything. I've told you these things so that you may be filled with, I love this, this is my joy I want to give you. I'm the source of joy. I'm going to give you my joy and then, yes, watch this, your joy it's gonna overflow, I love this. God gives us everything, it's like money. He gives you the stuff, he says, this is my stuff, now I'm gonna give it to you, now it's your stuff. This is my joy, I'm gonna give it to you, now it's your joy. What I want you to do with it, I want you to have so, I'm gonna give you so much joy that it'll overflow into every relationship you have and you're gonna watch all those relationship goals come to pass as you allow me to work in you and you stay connected to me. It's like looking at the cross. When you think about the cross and you come to it today, I just want you to reflect on it. Because when you think about the cross, he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Connect to the message of the cross. Notice that the cross has a vertical beam and a horizontal beam. That vertical beam connects us to God the Father. But that horizontal beam is the joy we find in that relationship that changes every other relationship. You see, the cross reminds us I need to stay connected to Christ. I need to stay connected to Christ. He is my source. He is my joy. And the cross is about a relationship with him. And once I connect in a relationship with him, that joy can overflow into everyone else as I remember that he is the source of my joy. Once I remember that, then I can spread joy wherever I go. Would you bow your head and close your eyes and let's pray about that. And Heavenly Father, right now at every campus and over the internet and right here in this room, no one is here by accident. And there are some here that, that have looked for happiness and joy in all the wrong places. They've taken all the rides the world has offered and they realize it's empty. It doesn't fulfill, it doesn't satisfy. I pray right now that if there's anyone here or over the internet that needs Christ, they would know today in a simple prayer of faith that relationship can begin. I pray they would open up their heart to you and they would find forgiveness. And they would declare and confess you as their Lord and as their Savior. And they would receive you into their heart and life. And that today, you would change them forever. Heavenly Father, for those of us who know you, 
We just wanna say, forgive us for not being grateful. God, we're grateful for the people in our lives. We're grateful for this church. God, we're grateful for everything that you've done in the history of this church that is so rich and so good and is just a testimony of your faithfulness. God, we're grateful for what you've done. We're grateful for what you're going to do in the days ahead. And God, we ask that you would produce this fruit in us and may this expression of joy, may we spread joy wherever we go this week. We pray this in the name of the one who gives us that joy, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen.